0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. With the third pick in the 2019
1: NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Quinn Williams,
0: Nose Tackle, Alabama. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we are joined by longtime friend of the site, famous now for his work at Bleacher Report for the NFL Draft, Connor Rogers. We're going to talk everything about the New York Jets' new look front office, the structure of how front offices and scouting departments are built, built why the Jets' previous versions may not have worked, and why their new version under Joe Douglas, who was introduced today, we're recording this Tuesday, it's going to run Thursday, has a good chance of working. So... Uh, We're going to try to get into the weeds a little bit about the front office of an NFL and how it works and how it comes together and why relationships matter and some names that you can look out for uh, when it comes to how Joe Douglas builds around him. Before we dive into the interview, a reminder, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Podcasts also available on Spotify, Google Play, turnonthejets.com. Also, follow on Twitter at Caparoso. Follow Connor on Twitter. We'll give out his handle before the interview wraps. And uh, let's dive into it. Connor, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, no problem, Joe. Always good to be back on. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. We were just saying a nice, stress-free, straightforward press conference today. No memes, no shenanigans, just a normal press conference. I mean, how about that?
1: Yeah, sometimes the Jets struggle with the simple things. So it was good to have a nice, uh, clean, easygoing, very professional Uh, You know, no headline-making kind of press conference.
0: So we know Joe Douglas is the guy now. Six-year contract, general manager, was basically Howie Roseman's number two guy in Philadelphia, spent a long time in Baltimore. The main focus, I think, now, outside of any potential roster tweaks, is how does Douglas build around him? Now, we had originally heard Daniel Jeremiah, then we heard Todd McShay, then we heard Phil Savage, then we heard Chad Alexander. When you look at what the Jets currently have in place from a front office and scouting department perspective and who they are considering, where does Douglas look first to build? And what are the most critical roles for a general manager to fill? Like who are his top lieuten- lieutenants and what do those roles normally look like?
1: Well, I think, Joe, it's a good thing you brought this up because I think it's actually the real reason this contract negotiation took so long. I know Douglas obviously had the leverage, well, you know, Jimmy Sexton, of course, who also represents Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. He felt that Douglas had the leverage to not be a GM coming at an offer under $2 million a year, but more upwards of over $3 million a year. The second thing being the security of the contract. So when Woody gets back, Douglas has more security than basically anyone in the building, which he got with six years. But the third thing, which was quietly what I had heard, one of, if not the most important thing, was the budget for the scouting department. And that's been a bit of an issue now with the New York Jets for a little while. I know the Johnsons have been cheap in this area at times. The Jets are one of the teams that were kind of behind the eight ball on building out the analytics department. And this is how you bring in good people. You give them promotions that, you know, of course, cost a lot of money. So when you look at Douglas across the league right now, Yes, the rumors are true. He, Todd McShea is in the running for a job. I don't think Todd McShay will come in and be the VP of player personnel, which is essentially the right-hand man or the assistant GM. This is kind of how the hierarchy trickles down. You can have an assistant GM. A lot of teams don't. A lot of teams have VP of player personnel or director of player personnel, sometimes both. So when you look at Douglas Yes, McShay's in the running, but he'll probably—I could see him being in some kind of high-level consulting role if he does take a job. Phil Savage has been tied to them. I know you brought up Chad Alexander. The two guys that I have my eye on that I think make the most sense now, Howie Roseman would like to at least keep one of them in this scenario. But the first one being Andy Wydell, which is the director of player personnel in Philly. He was essentially Douglas's right hand man. Now Douglas runs the drafts in Philly, or did before taking this Jets job. So Andy Wydell was his guy. I mean, really, his right hand guy, and I think he would like to keep that going in New York. And this would be a promotion for Wydell if Howie Roseman lets him go. And I believe the guys in Philly are the top guys in Philly are on the last year of their deals. So there's a chance here. The other one is Ian Cunningham, the director of college scouting. Now, the reason I point out these two is because they're actually from the Ozzie Newsome tree with Joe Douglas. So it, there's a lot of connections here. They're all very, very close. I think if Eric DeCosta wasn't in place for so long under Newsome that Douglas could have kept rising there, but he had to move on to keep rising. So these three names, or really the two names under Douglas in Philadelphia, well, I think they'll at least be an effort to bring them over to the Jets, and they'd both be great hires.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. When you look at how this previous front office was built, I do remember early in McKagan's ten tenure, he lost Rex Hogan and he was never really fully replaced. Really all we ever heard about was McKagnon and Heimerdinger. When you think about from the top down, just how much turnover do you think there ultimately will be over the next year or two? Uh, and how common is it for a new general manager to kind of fully clean house all the way from the bottom when it comes to area scouts all the way to the top when it comes to the different personnel executives? Is this a process that takes six months, 12 months, 18 months, or is he going to kind of audit everybody first, give it some time, and then sort of go from there and building out the scouting infrastructure around him?
1: Yeah, it usually takes you know anywhere from half a year to a full year because there will be an audit process. There will be a lot of these guys are on contracts, and that's a huge issue as well. Sure, you could fire them, but at the end of the day, you're still paying out the contracts, so you might as well see what you have. And I'll say this for all the problems with Mike Mcagnan that there was a lot. At the end of the day, just being on the road. And Joe, you know I'm on the road for college football a lot of the season, most of the season, and then really. Uh, into bowl season and then right into the senior bowl and then right into the combine, you run into a lot of scouts on the road. And a lot of people thought highly of the Jets scouting department. Now, this doesn't mean that they had the best scouts in the world, or, but they have guys in that building that are at least respected across the NFL. And I do think that Adam Gase understands that. I think more importantly, Joe Douglas will understand that. So if there's a couple of holdovers, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the end of the day, when you look at how things tend to go in the NFL, a lot of the times, you know, they move on from expiring contracts or just guys in general to really bring in their own specific staff. And if Douglas has has secured the budget that I believe he has, there's going to be some pretty high profile hires, similar to when John Dorsey got to the Browns. He hired an assistant GM and Elliot Wolf. He hired a VP of Player Personnel, Alonzo Highsmith. Those are two really big names, and the list kind of goes on and on of what you're able to do. I think we're going to see Douglas do something like that over the next year.
0: When you look at roster building or organizational structure or like Douglas's quote-unquote belief system for building a team, there's been some chatter that oh. You know, he's an old school guy. He's going to lean specifically on film and not be as forward thinking in terms of analytics. I think some of that is probably a misrepresentation. He seems like someone who comes from an organization who considers all avenues when it comes to team building and could do it through free agency, can do it through trades, can do it through the draft, but is also not going to be shy about utilizing analytics to go with more traditional forms of scouting. Why should Jet fans feel comfortable that? even though Douglas sort of has that resume and reputation and that look of what everyone thinks sort of an old-school football guy scout is, that he's not going to shy away from more progressive ways of looking at roster building.
1: Well, I think it's all the stops that he's had along the way. I mean, let's be real. If if you call yourself somebody – Uh, you know, an expert in food tasting, you would hope that person went around the world and tasted all the different foods of the world and learned what really is best and what stands out. I think Douglas, in a similar way, not only is he just naturally a very bright guy, and he's a football guy. I mean, he really is. But he's had so many stops with so many various smart people that I think he's taken a little bit of the good or a lot of bit of the good from each And really put it into his own thinking. Now you go back to Baltimore, right, where he was there a very long time. Ozzy Newsom is one of the most respected general managers of all time, but also the people that he put in that building that eventually hired and developed Douglas were very smart people as well. So Douglas got a lot of his real grinding scout kind of uh, you know theories from there, evaluating players and what it takes to select the right college players, going through the scouting process, and then, of course, being in Chicago, around a lot of smart people there. Philadelphia, where he, he's the guy that ran the draft. I mean, Howie Roseman, it wasn't really viewed as a football guy. Yes, he's a great GM, but it doesn't make him necessarily a football guy. So he let Douglas run the draft. But where Roseman really stands out is a forward-thinking approach, hiring the right analytics departments, how to use those numbers as a part of the process in the evaluation, I think Douglas has a really good understanding of that. So a lot of this nonsense out there that he's not going to you know, rely on analytics or he's not going to take chances, i do not really buying that. I think he's somebody that values high-character players. He's somebody that values college production. But college production is a part of analytics. That's what a lot of people don't realize here. And you still have to be a good athlete to be a good NFL player. So, of course, those things are going to factor in. I-, I like what Joe Douglas brings to the table because – I think most importantly, he understands where he might struggle a little bit, and he's going to make the really big hires in those areas of need to supplement him as a GM.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. At this point, is it realistic to spec? expect any type of no you know notable roster tweaks before we get into week one of the regular season. I know there's going to be cutdowns after training camp there'll be the waiver wire but should jet fans temper their expectations about, any sort of massive roster overhaul? Because isn't the aren't these early months basically going to be Douglas coming in, recruiting and trying to get his people and his executives around him, uh, and maybe kind of waiting until those pieces are in place before they make any major moves? I'm sure they're going to make their share of minor moves. They already cut near Sterling. RIP had a good run. I thought you had potential if you could stay healthy. But I'm talking about some bigger transactions that would really be you know, you know, headline grabbers on overturning some parts of this roster.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to see trades for any of these big stars holding out, whether it's Slay and Detroit or obviously pass rushers across the board like Chris Jones and Yannick Gakway, I don't think you're going to see those kind of a Khalil Mack summertime kind of trade. I'm not expecting that. And I think you make a good point, Joe. A lot of people across the NFL start their vacation right now, and they're gone until training camp. And I think when you look at Douglas, he's just arriving. He's got to make all these hires. He's got a lot of work to do. Honestly, he probably has to watch a ton of tape on the Jets' current 53-man or even really 75-90-man to 90 man kind of roster when you look at this. So the moves he's going to make, they're not going to impact the top 15 guys. They're going to impact the 45-53 to 53 kind of area, the depth guys. Now, of course, he's, he said it best in his press conference, the hunt for players never ends, and I think – they will be looking for ways to tweak the roster. I, I do think they like Jonathan Harrison at center. I do think they like a lot of the moves that Mike McCagan made in free agency because Adam Gase, he had the voice in that room to make a lot of those signings. C.J. Mosley, Josh Bellamy were easily two of his guys. Jamison Crowder is another one of his guys. So you look there, they are happy in a lot of areas, but at the end of the day, they're always going to try to find roster tweaks. Now, it will be fascinating – to see how this Jets team comes out of the gate against, you know, a pretty tough early first eight games. And if they're hanging around contending, what the trade deadline is like, which has been much more active in the NFL in recent years.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see in terms of on this rolling calendar, how they handle roster development. And what are some of the new approaches they take to adding talent or swapping out talent, compiling draft capital? Uh, I mean, I think they have more flexibility overall than sometimes they're given credit for. I don't think they're heading into salary cap hell or anything like that. They have eight picks already going into next year's draft. So they'll have, you know, some flexibility to make, you know, make some necessary moves as they want to continue to tweak and evolve this roster overall, just from a, From an org chart perspective, we know that Christopher Johnson interim owner, Woody Johnson probably comes back and becomes the owner at some point the next few years. Both Joe Douglas and Adam Gase will report into him. Uh, we know how Gase's coaching staff is structured from Douglas's side. Walk us through like what a normal org chart looks like just from like what position titles are under the general manager. Like what, what are the different sort of like departments and verticals that roll up under him?
1: Yeah, so I think the most important one that a lot of people are familiar with by now is the scouting department, and that's gonna be it, that's this is gonna be the Joe Douglas tree right here. You're gonna see people from Baltimore, you're gonna see people from Philadelphia, you might see somebody like a Todd McShay or Phil Savage get into the mix here, which would be very interesting. This is your really your VP and director of player personnel. Those are gonna be Douglas's right hand scouting minds. You can have seen, you know, football advisors is what they like to call it, or scouting consultants. That's a role that would be fitted for Todd McShea, whether you can use your sources and your scouting brain to give your grades and evaluations on players in that room. Your director of college scouting and, and a lot of your you know area scouts for college, those guys are gonna have they're gonna go through the area specifically. The director is gonna set up everyone for success going through their areas. And they're gonna not only have to file reports, they're gonna be in the building at schools getting background, digging for info, watching practices, watching games. So that's the most notable thing for Joe Douglas here is that scouting department, a lot of roles they have here. Now, where it can get very interesting is things like analytics. Is he going to build out a pretty wide analytics department? Now, when you look at what the Jets had in the McCagdon era, there was a couple people in it. And when I say a couple people in it, it it comes down to it where, you know, you have a lead – of analytics, and then you might have people working under them. But I think when you look at Douglas, he, this, should be, this should be viewed almost as seriously as that scouting department I just ran through where you have multiple leads and assistants because you don't just need people gathering data. You need people that know how to use that data and factor it into the portfolios and evaluations that the scouts use. So I think those are the two most important things right now for Douglas. Those are the two things where he'll have his hands on. The Jets are an interesting franchise because they always have a lot of business people involved in, in the football side of things, which I've never agreed with. It's it's never worked and it never will. And I hope that Joe Douglas has all the authority to get away from that. Which I That's one reason why I really believe in this hire. I think he's the guy that has the voice in the room to push people aside that really shouldn't be in it from the get-go. And I think Christopher Johnson was so proactive in making this hire to get someone in there that... He defers to, and he fully trusts. And I don't really think Mike McCagnon ever fully earned his trust.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I mean, ideally you want Johnson. I mean, look, he's an interim owner. He has no background in football. You want him to be like, oh, I feel like this is in good hands. Like, I just get to do some public appearances here or there, and i not got to think twice about anything. And I think he was immediately uncomfortable by – What appeared to be a very real disconnect between his head coach and general manager. And he, you know, didn't want to deal with any of that perceived chaos around him. And we could only hope that things like perception and and business and media are not playing a factor into how and why the Jets are making decisions. And they could have a much more clear infrastructure when it comes to making football decisions. Now, if you look at how this is structured, Douglas is on a six-year contract. I don't remember the exact terms of Gase's deal, but, you know, obviously head coaches' contracts could be pretty fluid. Let's, how much, I think we all think Joe Douglas has more job security than Adam Gase. I, it's know, not even close. How much more is it? How big is that gap looking at the Jets' performance over the next year or two?
1: I think it's gigantic. I think Douglas sitting there with a the six-year deal, and I believe Adam Gase is on a four-year deal Uh, I won't say that Adam Gase could be a one and done because I'm actually a believer this football team wins eight to ten games this year. But I think and would that be a huge step forward now, you you know, after all these years of waiting, you'd like that number to be ten and not eight. So when it comes down to it for me, I think if Adam Gase does not live up to very, very high expectations in his first two seasons, Joe Douglas going into year three of a six year deal could fire an Adam Gase that, well, Christopher Johnson, of course, would be doing the firing because they both report to him separately, but it would be deferred to Douglas to go find his own coach. So I look at this structure here. Adam Gase came in, and he got his GM. He got his wish the way he wants. Joe Douglas came in, make sure he has the security that if things go wrong the first time with this staff, he'll get a chance at a
0: second staff. This is the Overtime Podcast Network realistically this team gets to eight and eight or does better i think case will absolutely be back for a second year is this seven and nine six and ten there's real conversations about douglas you know having a, a chance to have a fresh approach on building an entire staff around him or is there really a scenario where look let's say this team goes seven and nine but there were it's similar to miami's season last year right they, they were seven and six they lose their last three they go seven and nine uh what? How thin is that ice that Adam GaSe is on, or um, is it basically guaranteed he's here in twenty twenty?
1: I wouldn't call it guaranteed because I think there's a different kind of seven and nine and, and six and ten. And honestly, where Christopher Johnson has his eyes on is two things: player relationships, which Adam GaSe has had some really good ones in the past. He's had some really bad ones in the past. So, what Adam GaSe are we going to get here on that front? The second thing where the Johnsons really have their eyes on is the development of Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold has a phenomenal season and a couple injury breaks go the wrong way, the defense is horrible under Greg Williams and they win seven games, guess what? Adam Gase will probably be back. There'll probably be a new defensive staff because I think it was pretty obvious that the McCagnin, you know, regime had a big hand in also helping Adam Gase hire Greg Williams. That was We can go way into that about, you know, why the Matt Rule hire didn't happen or wherever it may be. But when it comes down to it for me, I I think the Johnsons have always operated as people that they get what they want or they move on from you. And, And I think what they want right now, because it eluded them for so long, is a franchise star quarterback that's the face of New York. And if Adam Gase starts to show signs of helping Sam Darnold become that, it'll really increase his job security. If it falls apart, they're not going to blame Sam Darnold. They are going to blame the coach.
0: So I compare, I mean, what is the best comparison in recent GM hire history to to Douglas? Like someone who had a similar background, who found success, who Jet fans should look towards. I think we're all keeping our fingers crossed that Chris Ballard is like the reasonable yeah. comparison. Like that was a guy that Jets wanted in 2015. He turned down the opportunity to interview with them and he's flourishing with the Colts. Why is, why is that background similar, and why should Jet fans be like, yeah, I, th- I think Joe Douglas is much more our version of Chris Ballard than our version of Mike McKagnon? Yeah, that's the one I
1: would have went with, too. And now I don't think he's there yet. And I, I was a fan of Chris Ballard going back to when he was the director of football ops at Kansas City. Uh, I loved, you know, really just everything you hear about him and his ideas and theories. And most importantly, and this is the one where you tie them together, their ability to work with people. And it's something that Mike McKagan, I don't think, was very good at for a while. And it's, Mike McKagan was not a bad guy, but that doesn't mean you're good at working with people. You need to be direct. You need to make decisions. You need to uh, you know, find a way to align a room. And that's something that I always talk about with Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, who was in the NFL scouting world for 20 years. And he was a part of that Seattle crew that built some pretty good rosters in recent years. It's about aligning a room, and Joe Douglas knows how to do that. And I think you saw the draft room this year. That visual of an empty room, I think, it, you know, sometimes a visual doesn't really paint the picture, but I think this year it kind of did. And it wasn't always a great look for Mike Mcagnan. Christopher Johnson came out and said it. He didn't like the lack of synergy, the lack of chemistry there. So I think Joe Douglas is going to come in, and all of that stuff is going to go away. And I think that's why you look at what Ballard did in Indy If you watch the Colts' behind-the-scenes series, the way he sets everyone up for success, I think Joe Douglas could do the same thing.
0: All right, final question on the current state of the roster. When you look across this current depth chart, um, what are you most excited about from a positional group and from a depth perspective? And what are you generally most concerned about from a positional and depth perspective? And what do you think of that is most likely to potentially hold this team back from being a playoff team this year uh, when you look at this roster currently 1 through 53?
1: I'm pretty excited about the skill guys. And and really, I, I love Le'Veon Bell, much like you, Joe. I think for some reason, Twitter has forgotten how special of a player he is. It's a, it's a little frustrating You at mean times. D'Angelo
0: Williams isn't a better player yeah. than him? Yeah, it, it, it's
1: just getting... it's The running back argument, it, 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 I almost feel guilty at times. I remember years ago when I was really getting into scouting, I started to make the argument that using a first-round pick on a running back wasn't worth it. And now I feel like I've come full circle where, listen, I don't necessarily believe a first-round pick on a running back is worth it. I also don't feel that running backs are worthless. If a guy can create his own plays and yards and never comes off the field where you're not giving away what you're doing to a defense, that's special. And that is what Le'Veon Bell is. So I can't wait to watch him, not just as a runner, more importantly as a pass catcher, I've heard Adam Gase is, is a believer in or wants to be a believer in using two passing pass-catching backs on the field. They went out. They got Ty Montgomery to do that. They went out and added Bilal Powell to add depth to do that. You know Elijah McGuire. He's been a better pass-catcher than runner, in my opinion. Bell, I think, is the best in the league at that. Maybe him and Christian McCaffrey. So, I'm excited to watch that group work because they're going to have a lot of space to work with. Because Robbie Anderson, I expect a lot of big things out of this him this year. So, the skill guys I'm excited to watch. I know The casual analyst likes to hate on the Jets' skill group. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, as well as the combo of Quinton Williams and Ja'Kai Polite. I want to see those guys get after the quarterback, which I watched a ton of them in the SEC this year, and they were the best at it, honestly. They really were amazing at getting after the quarterback. Them and Josh Allen in that conference this year was amazing. I have legitimate, legitimate concerns about the cornerback position because it feels like they're one injury away from disaster, and even without an injury, they're not very good. So when it comes down to it, can Jermaine Johnson be average? Can Daryl Roberts be average? Can the pass rush supplement them and, and, you know, not I don't want to say buy them time, but more importantly, kill the time and, and save them. So the cornerback group, it's a concern. There's no way around it. And teams are going to throw – the quick passing game is going to be very, very active against this Jets team. Marcus May needs to stay healthy because – when he's on the field, he gives those corners help that they normally do not have. and He's a big-time difference maker when he's on the field for them.
0: Yeah, cornerback, you know, I, I talk about offensive line a lot because I'm so worried about Sam Darnold all the time and he's just the most important player in the organization. But cornerback, man, like you think like if Tremaine Johnson gets like nicked up early in the year and who even knows if he's going to be anywhere near decent, like you're basically rolling out this like starting three of Brian Poole, Uh, Daryl Roberts, and I guess Derek Jones, how it's currently structured. And I like Jones' potential, but we haven't seen him for a full season. And even Daryl Roberts being, I guess by default, your top outside corner then is a somewhat terrifying proposition when you're playing uh, Odell Beckham early in the year. uh, You have to deal with New England's passing game and Philadelphia's passing game and some of the other people that they're going to have to play early this season. So. Keep an eye on that, but like you said, the skill position group, man. I'm excited to watch this offense. My like sort of like quick hot take answer whenever people ask me about the Jets is like I think they're going to be better, and at a minimum, they're going to be entertaining to watch. They'll be able to score points this year, which you know at least give us some entertaining football. If they're going to hover and be around 500, and I do think you know they'll certainly be better than the four and twelve they were last year. The question is whether or not they can get over the hump. Feeling better about it now, though, with the Necessary GM hire and some of the other transactions that they made. Connor, as always, thank you for joining us. We'll definitely talk as the season gets closer. Any final sign off words for the Jet fans?
1: Well, I mean, I'm feeling good about the Joe Douglas hire. I really am. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to the scouting stuff, so I'm excited to see who he hires. Uh, we're going to have a, a full preview of that on Stick to Football this week at Bleacher Report. So if you guys want more info on All of these guys that are up and coming in the scouting world to be the future GMs, you can check that out there. Thanks a lot, Joe.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Connor, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back this weekend with another episode.